I don't know that I've ever tried to write this down, at least not in a coherent manner, free of emotions, that said. I'm not sure it's really possible to talk about this without feeling at least a twinge here or there. A bit of a backstory is in order, and I don't want to oversimplify the history, but I trust you have enough relationship experience to fill in the gaps. Educated guesses are close approximations of truth unless otherwise noted. I grew up in a small town, focused on football, fried food, and the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ died for us all, and everyone needed same. I say this non-sarcastically. I grew up in a Christian home. The vast majority of my friends did as well. Single-parent households were uncommon. Everybody had a mom, a dad, and a Sunday school teacher. Most of my social life revolved around church or school. I assumed everyone I knew was a Christian. It was acceptable to be Christian in my town as it for a hipster in Brooklyn to hate a single-use plastic. I can count on one hand the number of kids I knew who were either atheist, gay, or worst of all, Democrats. This isn't a political story, but I want you to understand the bubble I grew up in and how profoundly it impacted my perception of the world. Sex was a forbidden topic approached with the same degree of terrified awe as I imagine early Catholics approached the Bible, since they weren't allowed to read it. Anyone suspected of having sex or caught with the evidence protruding under their sweater was immediately excommunicated and used as an example of what to never become. Until my junior year of high school, I did my best to conform to the expectations that were had of me, but I was always a little different. I'm not trying to paint myself as some enigmatic old soul with wisdom beyond her years. I was as dumb and hormonal as every other teenage girl. But with strange music caged, a fantastical imagination, and a very real desire to get the hell out of Dodge, metaphorically speaking. My first boyfriend was my first everything. I loved him fiercely and without abandon. But it wasn't healthy. I knew it wasn't healthy. And I didn't care. However, this story isn't about him. It also isn't about a mere two days after ending it with my first. This second boyfriend wound up being promoted or demoted, depending on your point of view, to the rank of husband in a whopping 14 months. I can honestly say I never loved him as anything more than a friend, but I did care for him. We were essentially forced to get married by my parents who discovered we were having sex. They didn't walk in on us. It was much more predictable than that. My mom read my journal where I covered the topic and left very little to the imagination. We were married nearly six years before it came to a stunningly anticlimactic end. Again, this story is not about him. I have to remind myself quite often that I was ever married. It never felt like a marriage. I was the sole breadwinner despite the fact that he was older and more educated than me. It was a neat cold turkey ending for the most part. No kids, no real assets to speak of, and he was too lazy to come to court. I represented myself and the whole process took less than four months. Just like that, I recognized my name again. I never liked his last name. I was single for the first time in 10 years. It was invigorating until I realized I had no idea who I was or what I liked. My ex-husband was incredibly lazy and non-confrontational, but he whined and threw fits if he didn't get what he wanted. He felt I, I was too alternative and wanted me to be more like the blonde sorority girls. He loved to tell me the other girls that I was the only non-blonde he'd ever been with. By the time the divorce was official, we'd been separated five months. So by the sixth month of our separation, I was in the first month post-divorce and feeling unbelievably alone. My best friend was a gay boy who I loved platonically, and I still do.
He was my beard, as funny as that sound. I didn't want to be hit on. I wasn't ready to face the abyss of being single or climbing that mountain yet again. I was supposed to have this box checked. My best friend, who was somewhat relevant to this story, we'll, we'll call him O, was also a co-worker. O and I were inseparable at work so much so that people thought he was the reason for my divorce. Ironically, this couldn't be further from the truth. He was the reason I survived it. The hardest part, like I've said, was the loneliness. He helped me as much as he could. He became my family. A couple months went by. It was early 2014, and I was still very much a broken mess. I never went to therapy, which probably would have been a good idea, but I hate the stigma. The self-inflicted stigma of going to therapy means I fought my thoughts silently and badly. I thought I had my wits about me once again, but really it was a smokescreen. O was drifting away. My, emotion, my emotional fragility was wearing on him. I was attached to him, and it was completely unhealthy. I couldn't function without him. I wanted to be his type. This kind of loneliness is not something that I can accurately describe to you. It drives you to a certain madness that is palpable, thick like butter. I felt an ache in my bones that was unlike anything I'd previously experienced. No one had ever really loved me, and as pathetic as that may sound, it was a brutal realization. I remember thinking so many times, who in the world is going to want me now? I'm damaged. I'm a wreck. This is too much baggage. In March of that year, I started talking to T. He was a co-worker, married and 24 years older than me. I was starting to go back to church. The divorce had rattled me and, lab and I labeled T as safe. Happily married, kids close to my age, lots of experience on the job, seemed truly harmless. I opened up to him about my divorce. I hadn't talked to anyone about it really. And a man's perspective was needed and welcome. I won't go into the degree of the discretion I had with T, but I told him everything. Things my own mother didn't know. Things about our sex life that were far too embarrassing to tell my conservative Christian family members and friends. At least this is how I justified it. Again, I let myself believe that T and I were friends and absolutely nothing would be possible outside of a platonic work relationship. I have to pause for a moment and I guess I'm also writing in a short stream of consciousness because if I stop writing, I will not come back to it. The turning point was so subtle, so gentle, hardly a turn at all. One of those things that if you blink, you'll miss it. The turning point was music. Music is everything, and he saw that too. He was obsessed with music as I was, in the same bands. My ex-husband hated music, and I was so starved of this connection with another human being that the speed with which life rushed into me when T and I began discussing our favorite bands was the kind of rush every junkie dreams of having just once. Even thinking about it gives me a sort of a secondhand rush. His wife was out of town for Easter weekend, still 2014, and we texted till 3 a.m. on a Sunday, music mostly, a few other things, but an intense connection was already in place, and there was no turning back. Ironically, we hadn't seen each other since we started texting. We work for a company that requires a lot of overnight travel, and the team you're assigned to is different with every assignment. So the fact that I hadn't seen him wasn't unusual. However, we both knew we'd be working together in May, and I looked forward to it with the intensity of a thousand college graduations, a million summer breaks. We were on assignment together for three weeks. Us and a very large staff of people, also on the same assignment, also from our office, everyone knew that was happening, but we were both silently in denial. We spent the evenings together the nights together drinking until late at night before we went back to our rooms. I was more alive than I had ever been, truly. 
I don't know if I clarified this earlier, but I was married in college. I don't have any of the unusual experience when associates with partying and having wild nights. I was doing laundry or making supper during my study breaks, not going out for drinks or crashing a house party. During that assignment was one of the only times I ever went to work hungover. We found ourselves truly becoming regulars at the hotel bar. Evidently, it only takes two nights and a 24-year age gap. I look younger than I am, so I imagine it was even more shocking to people watching us. I can't honestly tell you that in those moments we did not care. I was so wrapped up in us and what we had that I failed to notice the horrific reality of our situation. Everyone around us was backing away while making sure to never break visual contact. The personal problems of the majority of people in our office were dwarfed by comparison to the grossly immoral spectacle we gave them. We were reality TV in real time, high class suburban white trash in the Bible Belt, the stuff Lifetime movies are made of. That hotel bar became a high point in our relationship, and given the fact it was in its infancy should have been a red flag, alas, it was not. He told me over drinks on a Wednesday night that he thought he was falling in love with me. Truth be told, we were both already in love with each other, and despite appearances, it was real. I can honestly say that even now, years later, in spite of all the flaws, he was the first man I loved. It was magnified by the ever-present need for our relationship to stand up against the unavoidable struggles we would and already were facing. In retrospect, the forbidden nature of what we were doing intensified, and it wasn't a good intensity. When we left that assignment, driving home to our respective suburban neighborhoods, the real shitstorm began. Like I said, this was a real-life movie of the trashy B-list variety. T's very jealous, tragically single, hopelessly unattractive best friend was very jealous. His jealousy was the kind that was equally comical and downright frightening. He'd be turned down by more than a handful of women and was filled to the brim with the kind of seething disdain common to men who are regularly rejected. I rejected him, though not intentionally. That's another story, however. T's jealous best friend, we'll call him C, follow us for about 20 miles after we all left our assignment. At the same time, T and I stopped off at a Starbucks, super scandalous, to say our goodbyes privately. This mostly consisted of angst filled with silence and confronting the horrifying truth that we weren't just driving home. We were driving back to reality, back to what we'd been blissfully ignoring, wistfully for three weeks Three weeks of heaven on earth. I will say that he knew me better after those three weeks than my ex-husband did in six years. That's not a small thing. I also want to point out that looking back, even in its blissfulness, it was miserable. The fact that he was older and married was chained around us. C kept a group of guy friends, also co-workers, informed on our movements that day. This was to become a trend in the year we were together. It's hard to discern the truth of that time from the perception of reality the latter being almost entirely built around feelings. I was determined to be with T. I had to love him enough for both of us at times because his home life was in such turmoil. He was undoubtedly a victim, and this was in time just before victimhood was simultaneous with being virtuous. I say this sarcastically, but at the same time completely believed in this total innocence regarding the ruin of his own life. Our tragic stories were similar. T was married young, waited for a few years before kids, the wife was the primary breadwinner. He sacrificed his dream of being a cyclist for her. She took him for granted, spent his money, and he was going to leave her, I was told. It was a done deal in my mind. I loved him, and nothing else mattered. Absolutely nothing else. 
If our affair had stayed private, I imagine it would have been significantly less heartbreaking in its unraveling. It's hard for me to talk about the specifics of our relationship because there's simply so much to cover and I'm ill-equipped for such a monstrous task. I still don't know how to sort out everything that happened, organize it, and present it in a way that is easy for an outsider to understand. So I'm leaning heavily on the assumption that whoever reads this has dealt with real tragedy, the kind that doesn't make you want to die. It makes you wish that you never existed. I don't mean that this in some fantastical way. I mean it in a very real very real, personal, individual way. I'm speaking of the darkness you allow to swallow you whole when no one else is around to hear your silent screams. This is the side of loss, of impending destruction that I don't think is discussed often. It's, hard, it's a hard subject to tackle. Our brains have a way of purposely forgetting the awful stuff so that we aren't scared into nothingness. I've never been so tormented in my life. It didn't take a very long for the frenzied panic to set in. Whenever he was at work, we would talk, but then he was at home, it was radio silence. We'd often be in the middle of texting conversation and he'd stop responding. I wouldn't hear from him for two days. Weekends meant survival mode. When he was around, he was unloading on me about his wife and children, telling me how I was a topic of discussion around the dinner table, a household name. Not exactly something every mistress dreams of hearing. Work was about the same. Everyone knew, but no one had the balls to ask me directly. So they just wish, they just whispered it in plain sight and convinced themselves I was too stupid to see it. Two and a half months into our relationship, I was at an assignment and the woman in charge pulled me aside to let me know that there were pictures of us circulating around the company. Pictures we were unaware of. Flashback to our first assignment together, a travel assignment. We were out to dinner with C and another co-worker, the four of us. C managed to take pictures of us holding hands under the table. The picture also had T's very obvious physical reaction to it. On top of that, C had followed us on the weekend when we met up and had taken pictures of our cars in a hotel parking lot. At this point, C was still T's best friend, but you can imagine how quickly that dissolved once I got the pictures. I don't know that I've ever hated anyone to the degree that I hated C. It took many years for me to get over that, what he did. These pictures were circulating around our company, which is a national organization. People from all over the Southeast were talking about us in hush-hush tones. You know how in horror movies there's always some scene in the forest where the camera is pointed straight up through very tall trees? It gives this eerie, warped view as if the world is closing in on you, the viewer. This is what going to work felt like every single day, around every corner and every whisper, every peripheral glance disgust flicked with intrigue. I think the biggest irony in the whole thing was in my ignorance. I assumed this sort of affair was uncommon. Why else would grown adults gorge themselves into this level of rumor mongering? It's entertaining, indulging in a parasitic enjoyment that feeds on situations appearing more miserable than your, your own is. Well, it's a steaming pile of shit, to be frank. The fact of the matter was, we were not always miserable. I was the most alive I had ever been. Life itself was shimmering electric and I felt everything as if I was seeing the world for the first time. I hadn't realized until that point how when I was married, I was so dead I couldn't even feel the depth of my own unhappiness. This newfound glory, ha, remember them, made waking up worth doing. But as quickly as this began, it ended. Our relationship was like jet fuel, hot and fast and burned up in an instant, scorching everything in its wake. 
I realize I'm speaking in a lot of metaphors, but that's because I think it's more important to convey what the relationship did to me, how it shaped me profoundly. And that wasn't based on reality. It was based on my perception, my feelings, and what I determined to be true. The truth is I was madly in love with him and defiantly shaking my fist at the sky, daring anyone to challenge me. I was going to fight for us. I did fight for us. It just wasn't enough. The good memories were riddled with drama, bookended by an ever-present sense of dread. Our happiness when we had it was a mockery of what neither one of us had and what we could never have. The good times were a smokescreen. He was hiding behind the sham of his marriage and the shame I think he felt in resenting his children. He loved them, and I don't dare to call that into question, but they hated him by his own account. Who wouldn't hate their father for openly discussing his mistress who was closer in age to them than him? Mistress is such a funny word. I always think of Anne Boylan. Thankfully, I escaped with my head. My dreams were a major point of contention throughout our relationship. I dream in horror and porn. I'm either killing everyone I know brutally with help of some demon or I'm sleeping with absolutely everything. It sounds funny and I hope you laughed a little. Unfortunately, I'm serious. I've always dreamed in Technicolor. I could spend pages trying to get across to you how much I hate it. Hold on to this for a minute. I'll come back to it. He wouldn't allow me to have friends, join a gym, or socialize at all. He was terrified I'd meet someone younger and leave him. He drilled this into my head almost every day. No amount of reassurance could convince him otherwise. So I ran every night alone and spent my weekends alone. I pushed O away. Remember him? Yeah, we completely stopped talking. See, T was very possessive. And at first, I was all too happy to be possessed. Any woman who tells you she wants to be independent and make the decision is lying. She wants a man who will be her safety net while she gets to feel in control some of the time, but who will ultimately strong her, strong arm her into submission when necessary. Women want to be made to submit. It sounds crass, and maybe it is. Take it up with evolution. Don't get offended at my acknowledgement of it. I digress. The end came about suddenly and with such force, and it remade me entirely. That might sound like a stretch, but I assure you it is not. To this day, I don't understand all of it fully. The sequence of events is as strange as it sounds. About two weeks before we broke up, I was cleaning my room. It was a Sunday afternoon around 3 p.m. I remember collapsing to the floor in a heap, absolutely ground down by anxiety. I wasn't just anxious about whether or not he would ever be mine, but the fact, in my mind, that it would likely cost me everyone I knew if I'd get to keep him. Once I got him, how old would we be? 30 and 54? So we would have what? 20 good years? Arguably less? Is that really what I wanted? Did I want to be in my 50s and a widow? What if he cheated on me just like he did her? It's a slippery slope, right? I'm naturally an anxious person, so I wasn't completely flattened by this anxiety. However, it lingered for days. By Wednesday, it was wrecking me so hard that I remember distinctly getting up from my desk and going for a walk outside because I couldn't breathe. I was probably having a panic attack and didn't realize it. I couldn't understand why this was happening. I went running after work to try and exhaust myself. Nothing helped. I tried talking to him about it. That made it worse. I had a dream that night. 
I had cheated on him with a coworker. I told him about it and he went absolutely insane. He acted as if I'd already cheated on him. He acted betrayed and that was the first time. I remember seriously questioning the whole relationship. Thursday he came over. I remember having sex and I knew it was the last time. We got up for work the next morning and I didn't even want to look at him. I hadn't slept. I knew that was coming. I never been that type of person who can drag out a decision that I know must be made. We got through work fine. We were both in the office that day. We got a drink afterwards and he admitted to me that he could never give me what I deserve. It's like he knew it too. And I was so insanely relieved, but for every drop of relief, that fear was immeasurable. Fear isn't even the right word. I wasn't afraid of the unknown. I was afraid of the flood of depressed emotions and I'd be swallowing down for so long. The emotion that made my determination necessary. I went home that day and cried so hard I nearly blacked out. This will become a common occurrence over the coming months. There were times when I wondered if my eyes were ever going to return to normal. They were swollen nearly shut at times. This wasn't my first breakup, but it was the first one that ever mattered. That wrecked me so completely. I remember I had to live one breath at a time in the beginning. I will feel burst of blissful relief and then be slammed for hours by the grief of what I'd done. What impact I had on this life. How I'd become convinced that a certain future was mine. And now it wasn't. To this day, I've never been angry at him. I loved him so tremendously I didn't know if I'd ever love someone like that again. I've since learned that love is not something static. It isn't the same because each person is not the same. Love is tailored to the individual. However, I can say with absolute certainty that I have found love since that it's more real than I've ever had. Even with T. It took me about 18 months to fully get over him. There were many, many times where I wondered if I'd ever go a full day without thinking about him. I'm happy to say that as time passes and those memories fade, I have moved on completely. It helped that I moved 1,700 miles away and started over in almost every way. However, I moved for work, not to escape him. There are so many unanswered questions that I've had to accept. I haven't spoken to him in four years and seven months. He sent a slew of emails about 18 months ago saying he was ready to start our life together. Mercifully, I had just started dating my boyfriend, life partner, person otherwise. I think hearing from him would have rocked me harder than it did as we still work for the same organization and he hasn't left his position like I did. I still hear about him from friends in his office. Just yesterday, in fact, I heard that he is still not over me. It's been almost five years since I ended it. To say this hasn't been on my mind over the past 18 hours or so would be a lie. It certainly has. I ended our relationship because I recognized that it was wrong. He was with someone else. I was wasting my time. He admitted it outright that he couldn't be who I needed. I was willing to be a homewrecker. I was willing to marry him, have his bastard children, and be hated by all as the one who ruined everything. I would have taken any amount of flack to be with him. From the outside looking in, imagine we appeared, I imagine we appeared as if we were a fling. We almost certainly were not, not even close. What we had was real, but reality changes. The idea that he is still hung up on me stops me in my tracks. Why? I wish I had an answer. I wish I knew what it was, but I can't speculate. Based on the conversations we had, I imagine I was his one shot at a do-over. He fucked up his marriage and his kids in his mind. But with me... He could finally have what he was missing, someone who loved him and kids who loved him. That's a fair thing to want. I imagine most people are searching for some version of it. I sit here. 
almost five years later, and it still affects me when I hear about him. I don't love him anymore, but I remember loving him. I remember who he was, and I hate that he isn't happy. My high school ex, 15 years ago at this point, is pretty miserable as well. I get no satisfaction in the knowledge that my life is immeasurably better now that it was with either of them. I think when some someone impacts your life in a profound way, positively or negatively, that impacts never fully dissipates. It can diminish significantly, but none of the true relationships I ever had left me unchanged. Sometimes I desperately wish that I could erase this part of my past. I hate thinking about it. And writing this has been done in pieces over the course of a month. I cannot handle the emotional undertaking that this requires except in small bites. At the same time, I do not truly wish to rip myself of my past because I would not be who I am without it. I simultaneously love the lessons I learned and hate them at the, at the same time. Perhaps the most poignant realization I had as a result of the relationship ended is the ability we have to control our minds. What I'm saying is, if you want to get past something awful, if you want to change your views, then do it. Stop allowing your mind to run you. You run your mind. You allow yourself to think or not to think about certain things. For me, it was a daily breath-by-breath fight, at least in the beginning, no matter how I felt. I knew what I did was right. Thinking about him or what might have been was utterly useless. I could have allowed myself to think about those things, but that is the same as reopening a healing wound to see if it's still there. Yes, of course it is. And now it's going to take longer to heal. I see so many friends and people who cannot get past relationships. And believe me, I get it. I really do. However, When you're trying to move on, the only thing you can do is literally, mentally, in every way possible, move your ass on. You are the only one who can. No one can do it for you. You control your thoughts and you can let them control you. Mental strength is real. And if you do not exercise control over your mind, then you will become weak mentally and easily defeated. So one breath at a time. If you must, but keep moving on. Born again. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Boundaries podcast, where the facts are facts and opinions hurt people's feelings. Please remember to rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Play, on SoundCloud. I don't know what it is that you do on Spotify, but whatever it is that you do on Spotify, please go and do that. It's Jane, it's Willie F. And as you can tell, we're doing a little something different today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, that was fun. I'm not going to lie. That was fun. Um, I really wish I'd have done a lot of practicing, but I just, I had the energy and I was like, let me go ahead and do this. And, you know, that's why, you know, you hear the fuck ups. But I think personally that one of the things that I, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it, because in my mind, I was like, damn, like, this is a good feeling for me and Miss Anonymous to be able to read someone's story. That's that to me. I was like that. that, And I just wanted to get it. That's how I read it. And that's how I felt. And obviously, I couldn't relate to a lot of that stuff. 
but meaning I couldn't relate to some of the wording. Like, obviously, we don't write like that. We don't talk like that. So I tried to capture the, as many of the emotions that I could, but that was hard, man. But it, it was hard. Shout out to all those Audible guys out there that be reading them, that be narrating books and shit. That is not easy, man. You, you definitely got to get into that story. And I think listening to you read that story, I got into it and I was like, man, like you could feel the emotion in the story. You could feel the emotion in her writing because I remember reading it when, when she first wrote it. And I was like, yeah, you can feel the emotion. Man, those descriptions. Woo. I was like, good Lord. Like got a lot of, got a, it's a lot of talented people out there that, that, you know, talent kind of going to waste. But once again, that's why I felt like, man, like, this is this has been in the works for a minute, and like I was like, man, let's do it, you know, because I'm, I'm I'm not that type of person. Like I don't I don't value anybody more than the next person. Meaning like I don't care if you're famous, I don't care if you're not famous. Like if you take the time out to fuck with us, <laughs> like we're gonna acknowledge you. Like and I just feel like that's something that I felt bad that it took so long, but I'm glad it's finally happened. I know that. If it's up to me, that'll never happen again. If I got if somebody has a story for us to read, I'm gonna read it. But anyways, <laughs> I don't really know like where to even start, bro. Like it's damn, like <laughs> I mean, I like what did you did you like anything about it? Was there anything that you hated about it? Like what? Like Like I, f- I felt that story on so many different levels, and I think the highest level that I felt it on was A, you don't get to choose who you love. Like, I, I I felt like, you know, hey, I just started kicking it with this person. We had a lot of stuff in common. You know, we were just cool friends. I, I looked at him as safe because he was married and had kids. So I was like, okay, this is just a friendship, a platonic friendship that's not going to go anywhere. And you just kick it with somebody and you vibe and you get to the point where, and then you just, you just realize, I love this person. Like, I didn't plan on loving this person, but I ended up loving this person. And then I also, not to get too far ahead, I'm just going to touch on it real quick because we'll probably touch on it again later, realizing that this is all it will ever be. Like, it won't be more. That's, that's the dead end chip you talked about. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, a, lot, a couple of people that listened to the last episode was like, yeah, they, they like that term. That makes, that makes a whole bunch of sense. Um, and the reality is, you know, they were just trying to go through the motions and they was just trying to make it last, they were trying to make it last as long as they could I, when I think of when I, I mean I, I obviously with me I thought about the psychology of Miss Anonymous as far as like she's this sheltered girl from a small town you know she was married in college I believe you know six years and I just I've always looked at sheltered women in a way, especially sheltered women that were grown up in like a religious environment, like it's so much pressure on them. Cause we talked about this with the leftover woman and stuff. It's so much pressure on them. And that's why I said, yeah, we could laugh at Japan with the Christmas cake and all that stuff. Like we could laugh at that all we want, but that pressure is here in America. We just don't have terms for it. But the reality is there are a lot of people that are suffering from that type of shame. And just because she journaled that she had sex, she ended up having to marry a guy that she truly had no connection with. We talk about this all the time. That mute, that, that music that was like that, that, that she bonded with um, T with like, that's a red flag. When you think about like 
at that point, she already knew like after my after my ex husband, if if a guy ain't into music, I'm that's it. But people don't understand like you think that that's petty and trivial, but dog, like that's a core value system that means a lot to some people. Like music, being able to relate on that level means a lot. And just and just by knowing this person personally, I know how huge a role music plays in her life. Like we'll shoot it. Hey, check out this song because she she knows what lane I'm in. She knows what lane I know what lane she's in. But she'll send me stuff that'll get me out of my lane. I'll send her stuff that'll get her out of her lane. That's kind of more or more in the middle frame. So I know how much music plays a role in her life. I bet she's like me as she walks around and thinking like, okay, if there was a, if there was, if this was a movie and music was playing in the background of this scene in my life, this is the song that I would want going on. Like I know that's how she bonds with music. So. To find somebody who, well, to, to be with somebody who thought that you were weird based on the music that you like, and then to find somebody that was just like, oh, I listen to this, have you heard this this band, you know, and to go into that, it's kind of like an instant, boom, I'm hooked. And I'm not going to necessarily say hooked, but it, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a base point for having a, a, a conversation. Like I say that uh, a lot of times when people ask, ask for dating advice, you know, how do I approach my crush? If you have, if you don't have anything in common, then you're gonna waste your time. But if you can find something in common with this person that you genuinely have in common, then you have a chance. But if you just, oh, oh yeah, I like basketball too. I like, I like Kobe James. You know, that's not gonna work. You can't fake that. Yeah, but if yeah. you have a genuine connection that you can leverage off of, it helps you a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people. Like I said, I think nowadays lust is a strong factor in that. I feel I feel like some people tend to attach to the lust portion of a person that they it's hard for them to get away from that person. And I think that lust contributes to a lot of that. But in this case, I think it was a it was a combination of lust, genuine friendship and, you know, similar values and, you know, it's, you know, the music taste and, you know, that shit made it so much harder. And that's why, I mean, you stack that stuff up and that's why I understand like why this story was so long, because I think other people may be in similar situations, but low key, they probably just, you know, pussy whipped or digmatized. So eventually they get over with, there ain't a lot of talk, there ain't a lot to talk about, but like, obviously with this being, you know, basically like a lifetime movie. <laughs> like it, it added more zest to it, but I do believe that that was a tough thing to get away from because this person was smart enough from the beginning to realize that this isn't really a healthy situation, but it feels good. And I haven't felt nothing like this in my life, possibly. Straight exactly. Up, exactly. Well, that well, was well, the, you... that was that moment of okay, this just feels it, it's wrong, but it feels good, and I haven't felt good in a long time. Like she said, um, that the best friend, I think it was O, the the best yeah. friend basically saved her. And then but then they started to kind of grow apart and everything, you know, but and then it's like, all right, I, I that that saved me from feeling bad, but that didn't bring me to feeling good. Like that just kind of balanced me out. And now here I am in this situation and it makes me feel good. And it's really hard to fight a good feeling. I don't know many people that fight a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I, I think when people come across that good feeling and it's easy to fight, then I think that they're not lost in it yet. I think that, you know, I think at that point, they're probably like, no, nah, I'm not supposed to be feeling like this. But I think when somebody kind of already wants it a little bit subconsciously, 
they get lost in it. They're like, oh, damn, I really want this anyway. So yeah, here we go. But uh, it was funny reading that all, when I really think about that little triangle, I mean, they really all were emotional tampons for each other. It's just that, oh, happened to be gay. So it never really went that next step. Never really took it to that next level. T happened to be an emotional tampon that eventually came with the pipe. I mean, just saying. Like, So we always talk about how a lot of times that emotional tampon is... Well, we talked about this last week where we said you could be in a sex, sex with benefits situation with somebody, but there is nothing more. So they don't have, they're not required to do more. But see, they had already been using each other as emotional tampons. And then when the sex came about, I mean, they were, they were a couple because that's what couples do. Like couples can bounce emotional ideals off each other, political ideals off each other, music. Like that's what couples do. And they fell into that. And I think that's why the sex with benefits situations happen a lot more these days because a lot of people just, like we say it all the time, they just fucking. They don't. They don't really have any other real connections. They just fucking, and you yeah. know they, they make small talk, but it's just fucking. So I, I, I definitely, I like I said, I know what was wrong. We both know what was wrong, and I, I, I don't say this speaking from a moral high ground at all. But the one situation I've ever been in when I know where I knew that I was dealing with somebody that was married, I got the fuck out of there because as soon as it started bad shit start happening. And I was like, oh, I got to get the fuck out of here. And I'm really, I'm since I was about 25, 26, I've been really into signs from the universe and shit. So I want to say about, it's funny, I want to say about, about six years ago, uh, I was in a situation like that, but it didn't last nearly as long, maybe like a month and a half or two straight up. And like, I got the fuck out of there because around that same time, I remember a friend of mine that got into a really, really fatal situation dealing with something similar and basically almost died. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to be in that situation. So for me personally, I couldn't, I don't want to be the destruction of somebody's household. I don't want, I don't, I, it's too much, it's too much ass out there, Jay, like to, to, to do, to be in that situation. Like you got so many options out here technically. And I say options, you know, quote unquote options, but sex isn't necessary that's why i don't i don't believe that's why i really truly don't believe that it was obviously it wasn't just sex for them like no. it was a genuine connection and when you actually have a genuine connection with somebody and i think that that's something that you know it you feel it when you have that connection with somebody and that's what's really keeping you there because i mean as you see like towards the end of the story like the last time they even had sex with each other it basically was lifeless like it didn't really mean anything. They realized that I, I I guarantee you that in that moment it was like more existential. Like it was like, well, you know, this is what we've been doing. I mean, we're probably both kind of horny, but it's empty now because we can no longer connect on what matters. I think you're grasping at that point. You're you're like you're like oh, okay, we feel the mental connection leaving. Like you know the the reality of everything that we've ignored is, is kind of seeping back in. How do, how do I get that magic back? How do, you know, how do we keep this up or, or is it completely lost? And then I, I can say from experience, like I've been in those situations that when I, when you're having sex, it's like, Oh shit, this is the last time. Like I don't feel anything. Like there's no attachment whatsoever. This is the last time with this person. And it hurts. 
Like, that hurts because you've cared so much for this person. Like, you've given so much for this person. And, and now you're, you're giving yourself to this person and you're just not feeling it anymore. <sighs> that's, that, that's that lifelessness, man. And once again, that's why I truly feel like people need to have those moments of self-actualization. I actually... I actually respect the fact that she didn't go to a therapist because she she talks about, you know, the stigma of going to a therapist and realizing, like, you know, she didn't want to go through all that. But I think in time, this may this is why she is who she is today. Like, going through that made her stronger. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, iron sharpens iron. And I think that that tough situation, no matter how fucked up it was, it, it made her... A, it doesn't necessarily make her a better person, but... I know that she has the mental fortitude to be able to write this long story and by the end say, hey, at, when I really look back at it, it really was just me saying, I got to let this shit go. Mental strength. Like, we, I've been, I, it's, it, I feel good. It feels good to hear a woman say it because I know many women that can say it. Usually they're a lot older, but it feels good hearing a woman say it and, and realize, like, I could have went to therapy all day. But it was still me, like the decision still lies within me to realize this shit needs to stop. And fortunately for her, she was able to, you know, you know, move to 1500 miles across the, across the state or whatever, across, across the U.S. The but I mean, that helps. That helps. But um, to, to me, it that, was it was like. You sit like like you talk about the realization of, of not going to therapy and, and realizing, you know, that. To get to get past it, you have to go through it. Kind of, kind of a, a mind frame, and to the point. And I think she even re- mentioned that you know she'll still hear word that he still talks about her all the time. He still thinks about her. I think she said like he reached out and was like, "Okay, I'm ready now," and and you know I'm, I'm gonna make all these moves and I'm gonna fulfill the promises that I made that I didn't really hold up to you. But at this point, she's healed herself, like, and she's she's. She's, you know, accepted the situation for what it was, that beautiful moment that it was in time and has pressed on from it. And now, you know, she's she's living better. She's doing better. She's in a healthy relationship where she can openly reciprocate her love and can receive that. And I think and that's what really hurt me. Well, not hurt me, but that's what I really felt like. She was like, turns out I'm a t- I was a topic at their dinner table, like the mistress was at their dinner table. All because some some hater. <laughs> Who who was a self that come at all ages is like oh I'm a I'm gonna follow them and and be private investigator and and watch them it's like mind your business man okay well let that I'm glad you brought that up well I'm gonna say this because I think I need to backtrack because of some some of the people out there I know that aren't that intelligent they 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 probably think that when I talk about therapy once again that I'm bashing it I'm just saying that I think more than enough people out there can possibly handle this situation like she did because based on just reading this story just lets me know she's a normal person she's a normal flawed individual and this normal flawed individual was able to get through this with no therapy and and work for her but i'm not saying it's going to work like that for everybody but let's talk about see bitch ass uh <laughs> <laughs> let me say the, the all, my, even if i'm playing devil's advocate and if I'm looking at Miss Anonymous and T, my my main question to both of them is, how close was C to T's wife? That's something that I was looking forward to seeing towards the end. I'm like, man, we th- th- this is T's best friend. 
So, I mean, where was he when 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 T and the wife got married? And is is what's C's current relationship status like? What are C's values like? C, because you think about it, she even said like C is this loser, simp, unattractive guy. So at the, when it's all said and done, he's already coming from a jealous angle based on the fact that he's jealous of what T has, which is a marriage, and then he's sitting there witnessing T fuck it up. So that's probably. Not even a hundred percent jealousy. It's just him looking like, man, you know, I'm cool with your wife, T. I'm cool with you too, but you're doing some fucked up shit right now. And I gotta get you for it because you got what I want twice. I wanted Miss Anonymous and I wanted your wife possibly. Or I wanted marriage in general. And you taking both of those things for he, granted. He just wanted to be wanted. And nobody wanted him. So now he's hey. on the grudge. And, and and when you're when you're lost in love like these two individuals were, you don't realize your surroundings because even with C taking pictures, like it doesn't make any sense. I mean, obviously you know y'all under the table, but y'all is way too comfortable in a public setting, knowing that y'all are the talk of the company. But guess what? You're lost in love. And that's why self-actualization is important. That's why you got to double back. And like, when you know you're doing something wrong, and let me just enlighten you, you you listeners, man. Like, I come from a background where I used to do a lot of fucked up shit. And when I when I fast forward and I look back at those times, I always, always remember that when I was doing this shit, I even I st even as a youngster, I still had moments where I was like thinking of a getaway strategy or thinking of a of an excuse or realizing like, hey, I just made a quick come up. Let me calm down. My heart's rushing. I feel good. But let me calm down. And that's because I'm, I'm a lifelong risk taker. So for me, it's like I know what it means to take risk and I know what it means to accept the consequences. And I really feel like these two individuals I mean, with her being sheltered, and that might be a bad word to use for her. I don't. She wasn't necessarily sheltered, but she definitely was in a more strict environment. And and I, from my experience, especially dealing with women that come from these strict environments, they are not risk takers. So when they start taking risk, they fuck up. It's inevitable. They don't know what they're doing. Like your first bank heist is probably not going to be successful. You're probably going to get locked up. You're going to go to jail. And if you're thinking about continuing when you're in jail sitting there, what are you doing? Sharpening up your skills, trying to figure out how you're going to do it better next time. So at the end of the day, this was the first real risk that she probably has ever taken besides sneaking around and having sex. But messing with a married man, I mean, everything they did was fairly sloppy. Like a lot of it was sloppy, like just getting carried away inside the bar, knowing that everybody, I mean, because I, th I think I think it's one of those hindsight is twenty twenty things, like you realize like yo me and him we were just sitting there we were just lost at each other and we didn't realize that people were drifting away like okay it's something more going on here let me you know separate myself so my name don't get caught up in the swamp or anything like that and it's like you know damn I know that person was sitting right next to me and then you know I knew they left but I didn't know they left because you're so lost in his eyes or so lost in her eyes right like, just in the moment. It Especially when this when you, is all you have with this person. Excuse me. Then you got a hater like C right there, probably already gossiping behind y'all back. And I don't, who knows how old C is. And once again, if, if 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 C is close to age to T, once again, they got 
they probably had, you know, similar values. Like these are, these are, we all know that every generation experienced infidelity, like, you know, side chicks and stuff like that. This is not a new concept, but at the same time, there's a, a, a bit, there's a, the, the shame factor that comes with this has grown, has grown, has, to me, has, it's less now. Like it's not as bad as it used to be. Like back then you get, you get caught doing some shady shit like that. I think, like I said, you wearing a scarlet letter nowadays, you on a rumor mill, it's gossip, but because, and I feel like that because of the fact that he's able, he's able to openly discuss it at the dinner table. Like he had no respect for his wife. And according to her, it's because, you know, he wasn't in love anyway. But once again, as a man, if you're in a situation you don't want to be in, like, remove yourself. I don't I don't have no problem with that. Simple, simple I don't, I don't go back like, and forth with people. Like, is your financial situation that important to the point where it's like, I'm just going to sit here and be miserable? Like, would you rather be miserable and, and not, you know, be miserable and be financially okay? Or would you rather be happy and be like, all right, I got to pay said amount of child support? <laughs> Like, like well, I, 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 I don't, I don't understand. Old, though. I think, I think that she did mention they were around her age. So yeah, they might have been. They might have been. I'd say you know, at least over the age of eighteen. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah that yeah. might not have even been an issue. So it's got it, yeah, you, I, you kind of figure out you know what's what's the underlying issue. What what was he really <laughs> afraid of? Man, that, and that's something that. <laughs> I can't when I say I can't relate like I'm not a married man and I'm not in a relationship but I mean I know how my mind worked before when I was in a relationship and yeah I can drag something on but the older that I've I've gotten it's like bro like I don't care who you are especially women like if we if we start hitting too many bumps in a row like I'm not finna play with you like people like that back and forth that like long turmoil but like you have to have a personality that can entertain that. See me, like, I'm not saying I'm a I'm a hitter person, but like, eventually I'll snap. And it's like, what's the point? Like, I'm not gonna allow somebody that I've I've tried. I've been, I've been we've been trying for years. We realize that it's not working. I'm the type of person that's gonna accept reality more than deny it. Like, I'm not that type. Of, like, I don't deny reality. But I realize that a lot of people see it like when they're when they're connected to somebody for so long, they they're constantly fighting reality. They're constantly in denial. Like, bro, I'm not finna sit here and live in denial. If I don't want to do something, bro, like, I gotta go, man. I yeah. gotta go. People talk people talk about protecting their peace all the time, but that's a myth. People don't protect their peace. It just sounds good. I mean, you, you when you're protecting your peace, what does that actually mean? Custom is like, like you said, if it doesn't feel good to you, you're out. And if it feels good to somebody, they're going to continue to try to make it work, to try to make it right. And I don't see anything wrong with either one of those spectrums. But at the same time, when you say, oh, I'm protecting my peace. What does that actually mean? What do you consider your peace? Do you consider your peace being in a situation you're not happy in and that's your peace? Or do you consider your peace trying to work for a situation where you are happy? Okay. Uh, let, let me give you a scenario. Um, Obviously, I'm not a, a cold-hearted, heartless robot. Um, I've been in relationships That's before. Debatable. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> Look, man, I'm reasonable. I approach things with a certain amount of logic that 
I myself can respect and I've learned from those. That's why I'm in the situation where I am now, where I feel like relationships and marriages are a waste of time for me. When I say I'm protecting my peace, it means that once it gets to the point of lingering on depression, meaning I've tried, then that means that it's time to stop and let go because I have the strength to do that. I'm not saying a person makes one mistake or two mistakes and I'm out the door. No, it's mistake after mistake over a long period of time to where I'm like, okay, I've had enough time to realize that this shit is not going to work. Now, it's either we're both going to accept it or one of us is going to walk away unhappy and the react or, or one of us is going to walk away, you know, in- distraught. But the fact of the matter is when you're ending a long relationship, whether it's a year or two or five years, somebody's going to walk away a little more hurt than the other. That is a reality I can accept. People are, people lie, people tell white lies, especially to avoid hurting people's feelings. I'm not that type of person. Yeah, I, I may lie here and there, but when it comes to something like fake, fake love, or pretending to love you, or pretending to care about you, or only going through the motions because a, a wedding, a, a, a marriage license says so, I will not be subject to that type of brutality. That is a type of mental brutality that I will not, that's not peace to me. Peace is knowing that you, I've gotten away from you, you've gotten away from me, and now you have time to heal. And within that healing, you'll be able to find peace just like I'm able to find peace. Because while I'm Because at that same time, as I'm realizing I don't want to be with you anymore, that's an unpeaceful time for me. And while I'm in that time, how are you feeling? Shit, it's a good chance you just living it up. Oh, you know, (laughs) just bragging about me to your bragging about me to your homegirls. And I'm over here like, I hate this bitch. But (laughs) like I'm just saying, and and by the time I realize, okay, I can't do this shit no more. I, I can't do this. I gotta man up and say, I'm out the door. And when I'm out the door. Now is your time to grieve. Now is your time to go through what I went through. And that's something that I have to accept. Because what happens is you drag it on longer and inevitability comes in. Like a lot of people are just dragging shit on based on the fact that their reality is so blurry. Like they can't see they don't they don't want to they, they don't want to believe that they can see the future, but patterns take place like you have this, you have this, um, you have this experience. Like you're not dumb. Like you've kind of been here before. Use your common sense, so to speak, that that you can relate to. Now, if this is something new to you, like our, like like the people in the story, well, specifically Miss Anonymous, that's fine. You're gonna fuck up. You're gonna make mistakes. You're not gonna know. But let's just be honest here. Like by the age of thirty-five, like. If you ain't if you ain't been married, if you ain't been in a league, you should I would say by the age of 35, mo- a lot of us have either been married or have been in multiple relationships. I say a minimum of three. You had to have in that moment and in those moments gathered up enough experience to know how to spot bullshit. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that makes sense. And and I think in that story, she realized, I don't, I'm not going to say she realized in spite of bullshit, but like the, the, the deeper thoughts started to come. Like, you know, what, where, where does this go? Like, um, there's, I forget how, how big the age gap was, but she's like, you know, do I want to be a widow? Yeah. Do I want to be a widow in my fifties? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and, and I think, I even think she 
she said, you know, he told her, I can't give you what you deserve or what you want. And so at that point in time, it's, it's that's really when the decision making comes. Because if you've been with this person because you think you're going to get whatever your happy ending is, you believe is going to be, whether it's just a lifelong partner or whether it's marriage and kids, and they tell you that they can't give you that, that's when you really have to make a decision. It's like, is, is sacrificing what I truly want for this person going to make me happy? Like, I, I mean, in that <clears throat> sentence alone should let you know that it's not. Because like you say all the time, you know, it's not, it's not a, a it's not a, a collaboration. It's a compromise. You're giving up what you want. They're, y'all aren't working together anymore. So therefore, <clears throat> you, you got, you're put in a situation where you gotta, you gotta walk away. You gotta do what's best for yourself because she looked down the road and she could see that, you know, this isn't gonna get any better. It's gonna continually to get worse. Straight up. I mean. <laughs> It's funny because people people have a tendency like just when they're talking positive they 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 always say stuff like uh, the only way is up and I'll be like <laughs> well not in this situation <laughs> in this situation uh, what goes up must come down. <laughs> no, you and think you hit rock think, bottom until you actually hit rock bottom. <laughs> Boy, until you sit in hell. But um, <laughs> she started running. She had to start running to get like to 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 get distracted from the fact that reality was setting in. I like that part because I think at the same time I felt like she was trying to run from the truth. And I think the truth was it's over. It's a wrap. Y'all, y'all, y'all had y'all fun. And and a lot of times, you know, great shit don't last, man. I mean, <laughs> Andre 3000 always said it, man, you know, if if uh, if nothing lasts forever, then what makes love an exception? You know, and, and people just get lost, bro. They get lost. It's a it's a euphoric feeling. I, I I I feel for people that don't know how to let go, but I also feel for people that don't know how to have friendships too, because once again, I have to go back to her her college life. When you think about her college life of already being a wife. Most people in college are binge drinking, exploring casual sex, socializing, partying it up, making mistakes. She didn't experience that. So all that happened is she prolonged it and she made an even bigger mistake, which came in the in the in the in the form of possibly tearing up a marriage. But I don't know. I, I clearly if you could talk about your mistress at the table, your wife a simp. So uh it's 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 it's, Le, it's LeBron going straight to the league. You didn't have that college experience of of that that Jordan had at, at North Carolina, where where you built yourself up even more. Like you were just thrust right into the major leagues, and just her being married in college, she was thrust right into the major leagues. It's like, oh no, I don't, I I I can't or I don't do these things because my moral my my sense of morality is different at this point in time. Boy, that that morality, man. That's that's. I love that. I love that people tend to get hung up on morality, only because you, it's so many things in life that you can face that'll make you look at that moral compass and be like, hmm, I think I'm gonna turn it down right now. <laughs> like, I think this person needs to die. Or I mean, I mean it, this it, person... it, it turns on a on a dime. Like you know. Yeah. I know that. I know what I'm finna do is wrong, but I'm doing it anyways. Straight up. That's <laughs> what I say, it man. It's, it's like elastic morality of flexible morality. It's like, it's going to bend at my will. Like I'm going to do what I need to do in this. 
my moral is going to take me where I need it to take me and it, whatever helps me sleep at night. We will justify all types of bullshit. And we're seeing it in America today. We will justify all types of bullshit just so we can sleep at night. And hopefully when you sleep at night, you're not dreaming in horror and porn. Because <laughs> that is not, that is something else. Like, that is wild. And you know how I feel about dreams, bro. Yeah. You know how I feel about dreams, man. Like, everything was pointing to her to get the fuck away from there. Did you That's think, why I, I don't know, I laughed. You a smart man. You a smart man. Um, I laughed, but you couldn't hear it when I was reading it, but I laughed when she told him that she had slept with somebody at the job and he got bad. Oh, that she had that dream? Yeah. yeah, I was like, that's some female shit. Like, if you tell a female that, hey, you know, like, man, I slept with your homegirl in my dream, boy, she gonna slap the shit out of you, dog. Like she you did in hurt. real life. Yeah. If she, if she like, had a dream that you slept with her best friend, she gonna be mad at both of y'all. <laughs> so I said, I'm like, hold up. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to dream that. I don't say no goddamn inception. I, I didn't go to I didn't go to bed with him on my mind. It's just like people and it's, and the weird thing about dreams is you could have passed somebody on the street ten years ago, not even exchange anything, and then they pop up in your dream as a leading character later. And you Bruh, don't know who the hell that they is are. Scary. That is scary. Like the mind takes people talk about I forgot they were compared it to but they were like, you could be walking through a grocery store and your brain is taking pictures like at the speed of light. Like if you actually had a camera in your hand and you were just going around taking pictures, your brain takes pictures faster than that camera could. That is wild. Like, and, and you, there are there are probably a hundred people that you saw today and you can only remember one of them. That is insane. And I know that that's happened to me before, but I can't say that if I'm fucking a best friend in a dream, then it's it's probably subconscious. Like, I probably seen a best friend was like, damn, she is fine. I'm not even going to lie. Because <laughs> I've definitely done it. So, uh, and, and, and then again, it could have been like, oh, this person's really smart. It's something about that person that you like. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. We, man, you... This is me, bro. And Tell I told you, you earlier today, I'll die on this sword. Because now, now this is it's gonna probably be a, a brief pause, real quick. Because uh, I gotta see something, man. Because you know me, like when it comes to definitions, I want to make sure I ain't tripping here. Because I, I keep hearing, I keep hearing people say relationships are difficult, marriage is difficult. Okay, I just don't believe that because the simple definition of marriage is marriage, also called matrimony or wedlock is a culturally recognized union between people called spouses that establishes rights and obligations between them, as well as between them and their children and between them and their in-laws. <sighs> Let me see something. Uh, Einstein's theory of relativity. I'm not even going to read that. You know why I'm not going to read Einstein's theory of relativity? Because I know that shit is difficult. <laughs> That's fucking difficult. I know it's difficult. That's complicated. I'm not reading that shit. <laughs> But marriage, though, that shit is not complicated. What's complicated is fucking humans. Humans are complicated. We are complex. You insert a lion and a, and a, a male lion and a female lion into a, a marriage, I'm pretty sure they're going to last until death do them part. But when you put something as complex as humans into a marriage, that's what makes it difficult. Being on a team is difficult. Being in 
because uh, but and once again, it's being on the team that's difficult. But a, the 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 concept of a team is not difficult. It's just the complexity that humans bring about. That's why it, it scares me that in the last four generations, because that's how it goes. You know, four generation cycles in the last four generations obviously it seems like the greatest generation probably had it down the best possibly but in that time you can easily argue that women were severely oppressed but the fact is as time went on and roles started to reverse or roles started to be you started to receive pushback for people not wanting to play roles that's what made things even more difficult. It's us. It is humans that make it difficult. So this man being in a marriage, I just really wonder what type of woman he was married to and what type of woman that he married in the beginning to the point where he's like, I'm not really mad. I, I'm not really mad at Miss Anonymous because Miss Anonymous is single. And I think you've said it on the show before too. Like it's not up to Miss Anonymous to preserve your marriage. At the end of the day, in the back of her mind, she hopes that it ends. Because she wants to be with you. She don't give a fuck about yeah. your marriage. Yeah, it's not it's not up to her. No. So, no, you so shouldn't like, be doing this because you married and nothing. No, you should be saying, I shouldn't be doing this because I'm married. Nobody else should be telling you that. You're a grown-ass man. Like, and, and women out there, too, that think that cheating on their husbands is cool. Like, none of this shit is cool. Like, if you're going to cheat, if you're going to sleep around, stay single. It's not a hard concept, but if you truly want to be married, if you truly want to be married, you have to get it. You have to approach a person that values marriage the same way you do. And it's not going to take you six months to find out. It's going to take you a while. And that's one thing that us modern humans in this microwave age, we don't have that type of that type of patience. People get with somebody. They're fuckable. They're likable. They like the same. They like the same ice cream as me. Let's get married. <laughs> like that's not gonna work. Like it's gonna take. Like even with Miss Anonymous and 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 T. Like yeah, they they vibed on music and that connection made the sex great probably. But other than that, shit. Who knows? Like T probably left the toilet seat up. He probably was annoying. Like if if it came to actually having to cohabitate, she probably would have saw shit about T that she didn't like, and that shit wouldn't have lasted either. So, once again, that's the complexity of human beings. So, I don't believe marriage or relationships are difficult. The concept of them are difficult, but I do believe that we as humans, we just fucking suck at some of the simplest things. And I, it's and just I think that, it, that's how I see it. And I think it comes with, you know how they'll say in sports, the broadcasters say, oh, he's just imposing his will. Or she's imposing her will. You know, they're doing whatever they want against the other team. You impose your will against opposition. You should be imposing your will against your team. And I think that's where humans really mess up. This is this is your chosen teammate. Like, no general manager put, put y'all together. You went and picked and said, hey, you're my teammate. Let's run. I picked you to be my teammate, which means I trust you. So I shouldn't have to try to impose my will on you. Like, I should understand that, hey, you know, you better at the three-pointer than I am. We down is two seconds left. I'm kicking it to you. I'm deferring to you because I trust you to make the right decision for our team. I shouldn't have to impose my will on you to be like, I'm the best at three-pointers. I'm going to come steal the ball from my teammate so I can do what's best for us. There should be that mutual trust of, I, I know you're going to make the best decision for us, not just for you, for us. 
And I shouldn't have to question that. And if I have to question that, then do I really believe that we're a team? Do I really believe that you're in this for both of us? Or do I really think that you're in this for yourself? And therefore, if I know you're in it for yourself, then maybe I need to be in it for myself. I like that. I like that. You got me for some reason. You just automatically had me thinking about the last dance, which I still have to watch. That's where I was going. No, tonight's the last night. Really? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, well, I don't know what people are out there that are witnessing this, but you know, obviously there's a debate on how Jordan's tactics would work in this generation. And we all know that they wouldn't work because Jordan was not a likable human being when it came to how he pushed his teammates but I think he was a respectable human being because it brought results I think as much as people wanted to punch him in the face they would look at the end of the season be holding up that that gold trophy they'd be like damn that's why he did it it makes sense now you know and I, I don't think that and then at the end of the day you gotta think about the money that was involved back then these guys were really playing more for the fact that they really came out the hood. Like, a lot of them guys came out the hood and, like, getting to the NBA was like, okay, like, it was no connects to get here. My daddy ain't getting me in here. My great grand like, no, I worked my ass off to get here. I'm here. I want to get this gold ring because I want to be able to show that I made it to the greatest stage in basketball and we, I, we accomplished something. And the debate is, once again, like I said, could his style work today? No, because... Kenyon Martin says, Kenyon Martin Sr. says, it's because niggas soft. And and I'm, I want to say, let me say this in a in a better way. I'm just going to say, today, they don't feel entitled to work that hard. They don't, they don't have the motivation to work that hard to where they feel they would need to take that type of abuse. they like, bruh, I'm making a thousand figures. Fuck your <laughs> bullshit. I don't need... I'm going to play basketball two years and I'm done for the rest of my life. Like these guys are not fighting to prove anything at the highest stage. These guys just want to accumulate a bunch of money. These guys want to have fun. They want to wear their fancy clothes off the court. They want to, they want to, they want to mess with chicks. You know, these guys nowadays, they're the, the motivation is totally different. So with that motivation, and this is my opinion with that motivation, that's going to determine what type of bullshit they're going to put up with. Because remember, Thibodeau is a pretty excruciating coach. Like, people blame Thibodeau for why D. Rose fell apart. And they feel like they work, he worked them too hard. And I don't, personally, I don't believe that. I think it's a genetic defect with D. Rose. But just hearing that just lets me know. It's like, well, these athletes today are, like, phenomenal creatures compared to the quote-unquote janitors of Jordan's time, which is <laughs> wild to me because I think Carmelo to drop half the players today. But anyway, it's it's a mental maturity, bro. Like, and, and I'm saying all this to say that that applies to marriages too in relationships. Like, you got people that come into marriages and relationships these days, and they come into the marriage like they the prize. Like, like what I got to work hard for? <laughs> I'm, I'm the trophy already. I'm like, here. Like, what am I, what, what am I, I don't need to cook for you. My vagina's great. <laughs> like, I, ca- I came, on. I came here with 5,000 Instagram followers. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, 
And like I mean, and, and dudes the same. Like dudes, like man, I got plenty. I got plenty of chicks out there that want me. So if you don't want to cook for me, I'm a dip. Like this is all motivation. This is all mental maturity. And if those things are not there, like it, it, it's as simple as this. You're longing after somebody that knows that you're easily replaceable. And I think that that's one of the most dangerous things that people do today is they fail to realize, and I, I hate to say it, but like we do live in a day and age where most people, after a relationship is over, they're not single that long. Like they, and then I say single, meaning like they're not alone, alone, suffering in silence. Most of them got homegirls and homeboys that's finna probably had them out within a week turned up pretending like they live in their best life when in actuality they dying inside. So we don't, and that's mental maturity again. Like we don't have that type of mindset to be like, okay, let me go grieve. Let me figure out what went wrong. That way, if I really want marriage and I really want to try a relationship again, I know what the red flags are. I know what the green flags are, the purple flags, and I can move forward. But nowadays people just, they just serial monogamous. They just want to be attached to one person, fucking that person for a long time, saying that, you know, hey, I believe in relationships. No, you don't. You just don't want to be attached to the stigma of being a hoe. Or in, in some dudes' cases, they don't want to be attached to the stigma of being a dog or ain't shit nigga. It's just all mental maturity. And and you, and to think about that, you look at, even, even and, and since we're using the sports, in this day and age, Back to the back to the Miami Heat when they had the big three, there, there mm-hmm. was this this press that said you know they don't want Pat Riley to come down because Pat Riley likes to have two and three hour practices and they don't want to have two and three hour practices. Don't you think that was pretty common in the nineties? Two and three hour practices because this is your job. People valued their jobs differently across the board. Whether you were a factory worker or a star athlete, this is your job. You took a lot of pride in your job and in your craft. It's like, man, I can't be at work all day long. I got shit to do. And so, I, I, and so to translate it to relationships today, people back then put a lot of work in it. Whether they was going through shit or whether they paid extra attention to shit or, you know, tried to make shit work, people paid a lot more attention to it. This day and age, man, I got 5,000 followers. And it's six dicks in my DMs right now. Why am I entertaining this nigga that's stressing me out? Man, there's so, <laughs> so many hoes out here that want me. Why am I entertaining old girl? It's so it's so easy to just pick up and leave in this day and age than to try to work through things that people just say, Wow, oh, not work I gotta work stuff out with you? No, this is too hard. I gotta, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a bounce. And not saying that you gotta go through stuff hard all the time, because it shouldn't be hard all the time. But hey, if you never get the oil changed in your car, eventually it's gonna fuck up. So you have to maintain these these situations, whether it's your job, whether it's your relationship, because you just can't keep puddling along doing what you're doing and hope that things go right. Because you gonna you gonna need to get that oil changed. You gonna run out of gas. You gonna have to buy new tires. There's gonna be some maintenance that needs to be done in your situation that you're gonna have to do, and it's gonna cost you something. Whether it's time, money, attention, or or leveling up, it's gonna cost you something. You just can't stay the same forever. <laughs> you drop you drop it down, man. I, I was I was putting your stats up. I was putting your stats up. Hold on one quick. 
I'll put those in the video. <laughs> but no, no, I, I, def, I definitely feel you, I'm going for the man. double nickel. Uh, <laughs> I definitely feel you. Um, this is what I want to say, man. We know ourselves. And and I, 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 you know, I don't even feel the need to even defend myself. None of these people in the story need to defend themselves. Nobody needs to defend themselves for me or you. I'm just simply saying, like, know yourself. And I know myself enough to know when I'm done. I know myself to know enough when I've worked my hardest and I've tried my hardest to make something last. And just thinking about T in this situation, just referencing the story again, I just, because as you was talking, I'm just sitting here thinking like, damn, like, he's talking about his mistress at the table. He's saying that he was supposed to be a cyclist and he prolonged his dream to take care of his wife. And, and, and just thinking about his wife, she just seems like a, it just hearing it from this perspective, doesn't seem like she was a very pleasant person, meaning she just kind of seemed like she was just there. Don't even know if she had a job. Like, we don't know. So maybe he didn't want to abandon her because he knew, like, if I leave her, I'm going to have to support her anyway because she ain't got nothing. So I'm just sitting there thinking, like, damn, like, when did it get to that point? And, like, for me, like, I just consider myself a kind of guy that, like, sometimes I live outside of myself a lot. And I'm just, like, viewing things from the out, from the, from the outside looking in. And I'm like, man, like, this is how I see it. So I think a lot of people out there, they probably just do not have the mindset of what it means to let go and when to let go. They don't know the signs. And... It, that just really that just really just sticks with me like when I think about this story. That's why I actually like the fact that uh, she titled it Born Again because I think that in this new chapter in her life, she she knows these she's gonna know these signs now. The, like 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 I think she even referenced in the story like it's like almost like the Phoenix rises from the ashes like she was remade. And I think that when once you get to that point, once you like elevate or you transcend into this new person, like you're going to talk like me and her because I I guarantee you a lot of people talk like her and I, and they're like, Oh, y'all just, y'all just give up on people. Y'all like, no, nah, like we've been through enough in life. We've been through enough tragedies in life to know what the bullshit is. And I'm look, just, just think about those two situations she was in where he was like, Oh, you know, you're the first blonde chick that I've, you know, the first chick that's not blonde that I've been with. Like, you know, I only like blonde chicks, you know, so you should you should basically feel privileged that I, I took the time to even pay attention to you. Like, to go from that and then to go to this next long-term situation, I guess you could call it, and they'd be polar opposites, but at the same time, really not be completely healthy for her. And then to finally be in something where it's it's healthy and and you can, you can really be who you are and it'd be okay. Like you said, that's that's a that's a story in itself. That 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 is where yeah. the born again lies. Yeah, yeah. And Dang, I just and, yeah. and, and and to T to me is one of those woe is me people. Like I'm just gonna complain about my situation and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change There you it. go. I put exactly. I put myself in this situation and I'm just well they won't let me do this and they won't let me do that and nobody likes me and this and this and this. Find your fucking nuts, my guy. 
<laughs> like if this hey. isn't what you want, then make a decision. Cause if you're if you're in your fifties now, when you get sixty or seventy, you're still gonna be fucking miserable, and you're gonna be blaming everybody but your fucking self because you just sat there and you just fucking took it, dude. I get so many people on a daily basis that like when they like realize that I'm like, I'm not like the most likable person, they always kind of give me this look like, man, you're just gonna end up alone. You know, nobody, you're just just grumpy. And I'd be looking at them like, bro, like, I know people that are in marriages that are going to end up alone. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, 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 at the end of the day, like, once again, like, it's it's about knowing yourself. I was, and I think we talked about it on the IG Live where I basically was just talking, we were talking about um, society pressuring people into doing shit they don't want to do. And it's like, and I think one of your one of your followers was like, hey, like, you know, you shouldn't let society dictate who you are. And I'm willing to bet that 25% of people married out there are married simply because life dictated that that was the best move for them. Like, that's just the straight up truth. Like, that's what I believe. It doesn't mean it's right. But like, I mean, even with that, like, I don't like people begin like women, women that be on some like dotty shit, twerking and shit on Instagram and like doing shit like that. Like, I mean, I laugh at them, but at the same time, like, do you? Like, I'm not going to shame you into, you know, you want to do your, you know, shame you out of doing your thought activity. Just like somebody that's overweight, like, do you? If you're secure in what you're doing, I can't shame you out of it. Like, and if you're not, if you're, if you're not secure in what you're doing and you are shamed into doing it, it's not going to last long. So if you don't really want to be a thought, but you just want to fit into your friend's circle. You're going to feel awkward the whole time. And you're probably going to have to drink, take drugs just to be able to do it. But the fact of the matter is like you, you, you're in, in the end, you're going to end up where you're supposed to be. And I truly believe that unless you're just constantly forcing it along and that forcing shit, that don't end well, bro. That do not end well. And, 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 and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if T is alone right now. If he's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. If, if, if everything just crumbled around him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that he's probably on dating apps trying to find trying to find another Miss Anonymous. And then and you you can't you can't uh, replicate the feeling. That's, no, that's you're gonna have to move on. And then like you you didn't do what you needed to maintain that. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure at the at the at the height of that relationship. If he would have made necessary moves to be like, all right, you know what, I'm a, I'm gonna leave her, you know, I'm, I'm gonna hold down the kids, of course, because they're my children, but you know, I'm trying to make this thing with you work. I believe that it, it probably could have worked out, but that you drug it along so long, you just start to kill the vibe, and you just people just start to realize, oh, this is never gonna be what I need, and then eventually he told her, yeah, I'm never gonna be what you need or deserve. Then it's like, all right, cool, you know, I, I wish you would have let me know this before I got emotionally invested as I did, but you know, I appreciate it and I've moved along, but you can't come back and say, okay, now I'm going to be what you need. No, I don't think it works like that. Yeah. It's, it's already, it's already an issue knowing that, you know, women lead with feelings too. So it's kind of like, it is kind of like the man's responsibility sort of to be like, Hey, like, let me be the rational one here. I am married. And I, I actually question whether T has ever done that before. Like, has T been in this mistress type of situation before? And um, if that was the case, I feel like that shit should have been on the table already. That way, realistically, you know, Miss Anonymous wouldn't have felt special. 
because I think I think I think some people out there feel real special knowing that they have a married someone giving them attention. They're like, damn, like you married this person, but you give me all this attention. I must really be great. That means that I'm worth marrying and I'm better than what you have. A lot of people feel, slip into that thought process. You know, that's why a lot of people always feel like, well, you may be in a relationship. That's why I, we always heard, yeah, you you know, he may be doing this, but he coming home to me. Like, a lot of people still have that mentality. And, like, I feel for those people because, I mean, at the end of the day, man, if, if you're not first, you're last. Ricky Bobby, you know, shake and bake. Straight up, man. But um, we can go on forever, bro. At the end of the day, I like to say I appreciate that story. I enjoyed reading it. I and hope I honestly. Yeah, I, I tried my hardest, man. I, I I knew I knew I could read. I wasn't sure because I haven't read out loud in a long time, so I thought I was gonna be on some on some sixth grade shit. But um, I Have think to I did. It with your finger. Yeah, bruh. I think I did decent. I know. I know. I think in the future, if I get another one, if if we get another one, I may. If it's a woman, I may actually try to get like a female friend to read it, and um, just so it just gives it a different feeling. I because I actually know some women that probably would enjoy reading it. Um, it. I'd probably have to convince the hell out of them, but I know that it's some women that probably would want to read it. And it would probably feel better, too. But uh, we did the best we could. <laughs> and uh, the IG Lives, um, like I said, I, I appreciate the people that come on there and drop you know, stuff for us to talk about. That's actually getting fun. I thought... I would want to stop after the quarantine started to lift, but I don't mind doing them once a week, maybe even twice a week. But uh, I know JB like, man, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I ain't doing shit. But yeah, man. Um, other than that, man, any words of advice? Man, uh, man, I, I really, I really don't have anything. I, I was gonna just come off the cuff and, and something like that, but. I think I think we dropped so many jewels throughout this whole entire episode that you can pick and choose which one you want. Matter of fact, y'all should comment me y'all's words of advice, which from what you took from this show. That's what y'all should do. Actually, no, don't do that. Okay, I turn my okay. comments off. I don't want y'all commenting on my shit. Never yeah, you always. I was about to say you do turn your comments off a lot. And once again, I appreciate the commenters that comment on your Facebook. That's your Facebook, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That, that that's real cool. Like I said, man. I don't care if you guys disagree or agree with us. I just want to hear what you guys got to say because we're not celebrities or anything. But at the end of the day, like, we see your comments. We're not or ignoring even, them. Even beyond that, we don't know everything. So we're only giving you from Straight our up. perspective, our viewpoints, our, our experiences. So you come at me with a different experience that you have, then I have to look at it from that. And you might open my eyes to something. That's what I really appreciate. You teach me what I teach you. And that that's my words of advice. Like we are alive and we are constantly in learning mode. And I feel like it's very important to know that to constantly keep learning is important. Like you're never gonna know everything. So that that constant that constant outside and internal discovery is it's something that you shouldn't take for granted. We should always keep it going. But um that's all I got, big dog. And make sure, you know, gyms open it back up nationwide, man. Make sure y'all don't skip leg day. Bruh, I, <laughs> I, need to, I need to move into the gym and just office out of there. This quarantine Bruh. did my body dirty. Bro, I'm telling you, I went from 208, 209 to like, I'm like at 199, like 200 right now. 
Well, like a trail. dropped weight. Yeah, yeah. I but you gotta understand something. When I lift heavy, it motivates me to eat more. Definitely. That's why I gain weight. But if I'm like running and shit, like I don't really be hungry like that no more. And then plus, like I'm fasting too, so I really be chilling. See, and I, I so, think that's why my run yesterday morning was good because I had a banana and like a celery juice kind of thing, and that was that so you was, was light. Like, yeah, yeah light. that was light. Like the ass, no but, but uh, <laughs> hey man, <laughs> once again, it's real nice getting y'all's feedback. But other than that, um, with that being said, this has been the No Boundaries Podcast. Thank you for listening. But ever since the dawn of civilization, people have craved for an understanding of the underlying order of the world. There ought to be something very special about the boundary conditions of the universe. And what can be more special than that there is no boundary?